Well, it's good to have uh, Ted Anson uh, back out here. He was here last year. He did, a, uh, I think, a whole Saturday sem seminar on discerning prophetic ministry, uh, properly discerning the pr prophetic ministry, and it was great and good to have him back all the way from Seattle. And I know some of you attended the last couple nights at Castle Guard Christian Fellowship. He was teaching there. So, Ted, uh, welcome you. Thank you. feel weird standing up here. Uh, but that's okay. You can see me better if I'm standing up, right? I look like a tall man when I'm actually a short man. <laughs> My wife, Bonnie, is with me, and it's great to have her up here. It's always a blessing to come up to the Kootenays. I, I love the people of the Kootenays and Junction Church. My second time, thank you for welcoming me back. Some of you don't know me, so uh, hopefully you'll also like me. <laughs> I'm going to be talking today about family, God the source of family. I know a little bit about family since I have a family. Uh, my wife and I, we've been married for 41 years. We're very blessed. We have two sons that are married to wonderful daughters, not just daughter-in-laws, but their daughters. Our oldest son is our own pastor for the past seven and a half years. He's been the pastor of the church that I pioneered 27 years ago. And we have a daughter who's married to a spiritual son. We have four grandbabies, so we have a blessed family. And we have to say that in the area of riches, we're very rich. Uh, because relationship is where true riches really are. And so today, as I talk about family, I'm talking as someone who has some experience in natural family, but God is even a better father than I am. And he puts the solitary in family. And so I, I want to pray starting up because I realize we all have stories. There's so many stories in this room, stories that I would not have the grace to carry. And maybe my story is a story that you would not have a grace to carry. And when I say the grace to carry, it's God's presence in our lives that gives us the ability to carry what's been given to us. Now, life is not fair. I hope you know that. It's actually better than that. It's actually ridiculously crazy, unfair. Uh, we, we were all born into dysfunctional families naturally. And you may have a dad and a mom, you may not. Maybe you have, you don't know who your dad is. Maybe you have several dads, maybe your story. I don't know what your story is. There's lots of pain and lots of loss, lots of things that we go through. And if you've ever felt pain, if you've ever felt wounding in your life, it's because life is expensive. Only a stupid thief would break into a house and steal costume jewelry. So you must be the real deal if you've experienced pain. And so I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm just coming to you. Jesus, you said that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, does not come by observation. It doesn't have anything to do with what we can naturally see around us. You said the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is within us. So I'm standing here with these precious people. We're standing here as your family, as your sons and your daughters. And we're asking for the power of your kingdom to come and the power of your will to be done. You clearly revealed that the kingdom of God is not about stuff. It's a place of relationship in the human heart. It's a place of righteousness, a, a relationship with you. It's a place of peace, of no separation between you and us. It's a place of joy, a place of purpose. And all of this is in the Holy Spirit, as we've already so wonderfully heard today that we didn't come here to enter into the house of God. We came here as the house of God. We didn't come here to experience your presence to us. We came here as carriers of your presence to experience something together that's fuller than what we can experience by ourselves. So our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Would you let your kingdom come and your will be done here today exactly as it is in heaven. 
doesn't matter what it looks like around us in our circumstances and in our situations. We're not looking for solutions that are naturally possible. We're looking for interventions from a loving Father who brings the goodness of your name into our midst. So would you do miracles here today, not just in this room, but because of what happens in human hearts. Would you do miracles this week? Would you bring the glory of your name? We say this as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. So God is the source of family. God is who God is. Or what God is. But it's not really who he is. If uh, our father is God, if his job was plumber, we could say plumber is what he is, but it's not who he is. Who he is is our father. In uh, Kasagar, the last couple of nights, on the first night, the presence of God came really talking about things that shake. That we embrace the shaking so that we can have the things that don't shake. In 45 years of being a believer, 63 years old now on planet Earth, I've discovered there's only one thing that cannot shake, and that's love. I've discovered in the midst of storms, the only thing that doesn't shake is love. I've discovered that on very bad days, the only thing that doesn't shake is love. Uh, as a grandpa, I've changed more diapers than I did as a father <laughs> because of love. I've been on the floor with a grandson who's thrown up all over me, and I have no problem cleaning it up because there's one thing that doesn't shake. It's love. And God wants to give us a kingdom that cannot shake. It's inside of us. He's actually already even given it to us. God is the source of family, and family is really about love. It's being an unshakable place on planet Earth. The world needs an unshakable place. I want you to know that sin never created a problem for God seeing who you are. It only created a problem for you seeing who he is. This is why love sent his only begotten son as a gift of love for the family. And so even Romans 8 says, the Holy Spirit himself in our hearts cries out what? Abba, Father. Doesn't cry out mighty God. Cries out Abba, Father. So the source of family is the power of love. It's God in our lives. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, and this won't be up there, I didn't create a PowerPoint, so I'm hoping just to make a PowerPoint, a point of power. We, we, we do have one, one set of scriptures going up there shortly, but if, if you want to follow along, I'm going to just take some text out of Ephesians 3. I love Ephesians. Uh, Paul, the writer of Ephesians, I think he understood our heavenly position in Christ, and, and it begins in the very first chapter to say that we're blessed and blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say blessed be the God, the mighty, powerful one. He said blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So it's a Father that's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, not just a mighty God. And a Father will do anything because love is unshakable. God is what he is, but Father is who he is. If you're looking for a God, the Greeks ended up with thousands of them because they defined a God as some supernatural being that is greater than me that I need for things. And so if I need love, I need a God for that. And so they came up with the conclusion there's all different kinds of love, so therefore there are different kinds of gods. And they also discovered some days you just need to be able to fight. Some days are days of warfare. You need to break through. And so there must be a God for that. So they defined there were many gods for wars. It depends on the war you're in. 
And then they discovered there are some days when you just need fruitfulness. There's got to be a God for that. And so there's different kinds of fruit. So they had a God for every fruit there is. But then Paul came into the midst of all their gods and he explained it simply. He said, your own poets have already said it. They said this, he's the father of all flesh. He said, God is not worshipped in hands, in temples made by human hands. He doesn't need anything from anybody. But he gives life, he gives breath, and he gives all things. He's the source of it all. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, it says this. Paul prays this. I love Paul's prayers. I want this to be my prayer today, our prayer today. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not someone who needs anything, but someone who gives everything. He cares for me. He cares for you. He, he's there for me. He's there for you. He fights for me. He fights for you. Why? He is love. And love will do anything. He's unshakable. He's always seen us as children of God. He's never seen us as sinners. Sinners is what we were, but sinners is not who we were. Who we were is lost children of God who forgot who our father was. And God became a son and moved into the neighborhood to reveal to us what he wanted all along is he wants a family that will fill the earth with the goodness of his name. He wants a family that's love's kind. He wants human beings who will do anything because they're unshakable. They're immovable. Why? Love wins. Love overcomes. Amen. Love does anything for a son, for a daughter, for a grandson, for a granddaughter. So for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, not the, not the whole group of believers, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Thank goodness there's a family that's not just here in the Kootenays today. But, you know, I'm at that age where some of my friends, you know, Gary said this morning, well, I've known this person like forever. And I said, at this stage of the game, Pretty much everybody we've known, we've known forever. They, they, we've either known them a long time or they've already long gone. <laughs> and those of you that with some white on your head or your face, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's part of life. But I'm so grateful that I have a family that's not only in this room, but I got family also that's in heaven. Heaven's in my family. And heaven in my family makes it so that even when my family dies, they still got heaven. <laughs> Eternal life is to know God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. So I'm rejoicing like Paul today that the whole family in heaven and earth is named after this Father, God. That he would grant you, he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Ah, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. You see, the source of family is not the natural man. The source of true family is the inner man. You see, fathers that are flesh, mothers that are flesh, can be shaken. But Father God is spirit and he cannot be shaken. He doesn't look at things according to the flesh to measure whether you should be loved or not. He looks at things according to the spirit and never questions a moment when humans should be loved. If you haven't gotten the news flash, you weren't born to be right, you were born to be loved. Because that's what children are. You really get the mysteries, grandparents, don't you guys? I mean, you grab those little babies, they, they come out and you, and you see your kids again. <laughs> and this time you realize you don't have to know what you're doing. <laughs> so you get a revelation, you get an epiphany. The epiphany is the only reality of this child is I'm in this child's life so that they know they were born to be loved. See, when you're a parent, you don't know what you're doing. So you get this little child in your hands, and you know they were born to be loved, but now you realize, I think I was born to know what I'm doing, and I don't. <laughs> and so you have to wrestle and struggle and find God to help you through. But love wins. Love works. God gives children to people who don't know what they're doing. Why? Love is the only thing that works. You can go to all the parenting classes, Marriage is the same way. You can go to all the marriage classes, all the marriage retreats, and you know what? The only thing that's going to work is love. 
Because you can take all the things you learn and all the things you learn, and you know what? Usually when you just take the things you learn, what you'll do is you'll use them as weapons to destroy the other partner. <laughs> but if you get a revelation of love, you'll get all the things you learn, and then someday you'll realize it doesn't matter what I've learned. None of this works. <laughs> what works is love. And God in your life empowers you to figure it out. You may be in a situation today that you need some figuring out. And I want you to know a revelation of God, your Father. God is love is what's going to give you the power to overcome. So Paul prays. He prays that you'd be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And how does faith come? By hearing what? Okay, and I like to put that in Canadian. Eh? <laughs> faith comes when you hear God in your heart. We know the verse. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We know that's the rhema word. Uh, we're excited about that. that. That flourished in the Kootenays. Word faith flourished here. It, it, it looted down. I'm, I'm blessed that this is a part of the world that's hungry for the word of God. Okay, I know that. I've been here many times. I'm not my first rodeo. And so I know that you, you, you grabbed on to that. Some, something lit fire. You thought there were fires this year. My goodness, there's been some fires of faith that have burned in the Kootenai Valley and in the mountains. Okay? But let's put it in simple truth. When I hear God in my heart, something supernatural happens. It doesn't matter what it looks like around me. When I hear God in my heart, mountains will move. It doesn't matter what it looks like around me. When I hear God inside of me, something gets transformed in me. This is faith. I can't do faith. Faith is a supernatural thing that happens when I hear him in my heart. So what do I do? Of course, I read my word. Why? I want to hear him again. I spend time seeking him. Why? Oh, I want to hear him again because something supernatural happens in me when faith happens. So he said, may you be able to have this faith, your heart through faith, that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints, all the believers, what's the width, the length, and the depth, and the height to know what? To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. It works when you don't know what you're doing. It passes knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that you could ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And if you look at the center of these verses, what is it? It's God in the midst of it as love. He's the unshakable one. So we are the family of God in heaven upon the earth. The secret to being the family is found in the inner man. Now, we're going to read another set of scriptures. We're going to flip this up here. Because as we're talking about family, I realize that in the natural, our families are dysfunctional. So there's lots of wounds. There's loss. Some of you have lost children. Some of you lost partners. Okay, so I'm going to read some verses that I've been speaking on for the last couple of nights in Castlegar. And I'm using these as a foundation. But I want us to read them through New Covenant understanding, not Old Covenant. If you want to know what to do with the cultures of the world, I don't know if you noticed, but the cultures of the world, they don't think like God. Anybody notice? But God loves the people in the world, and he wants the people in the world to come into the family of God, to get a revelation that they are the family of God. Now, can we expect people in the world to think like the family of God? No, because they don't come from the family. Well, they are the family of God, but they don't know that. So they've been looking for love in all the wrong places, so we can't expect them to get it. 
So they're going to come to us from all kinds of different dysfunctional realities of family. And even in the natural, families being redefined. Have you noticed? Okay, so like in Washington State, we have a birth certificate now that says boy, girl, or X. So if you're afraid to give an identity to the child, you can just put X so that when the child is older, they can figure out who they are. Okay? That's called a dysfunctional family. Now, I can't condemn them or shame them for that. I have to say, my goodness, I need to be the antidote. I need to be the answer to, to, to people who, who don't know who they are. But when they come to me, it's not my job to measure them. It would be real easy. What do you do with people who get it wrong? What do you do with people who are living together? Or what do you do with people who don't make covenants or commitments? What do you do with people who are uh, on their fifth relationship or are homosexuals or whatever? What do you do with people who, who seem to be different than what God is? It would be really easy if we just fixed it with law. But you understand law doesn't work. Law never did work. Law was never intended to work. Because God's not interested in controlling anyone. He's not interested in condemning anyone, never has been. What he's interested in is transforming the inner man. He's interested in transforming the human life to become who they were meant to be all along. He's the great I am, but he wants each and every one to be a little I am instead of an I do. Prophetically, I'm going to tell you, you need to be commended as a church because you've discovered the hands and feet of Christ. And the hands and feet of Christ are moving forward from this place. And God says he's begun to flesh out arms to the hands of this place. And there'll be many ministries that will reach out and some will reach out into the valley and some will reach out beyond even as those that are going out are going to come because the secret is not just what I'm doing in you, but the secret is what I'm doing through you. And so I've given you hands, I've given you feet, you've discovered those hands and feet. But God says I'm going to do even a greater miracle because I've always desired a body. And that which I'm going to give you is a heart unlike ever before. Don't be afraid of that which is turning, for that which is turning will come from a yearning, something that comes as a desire in your heart, because this is a day when I'm restoring my body to a greater glory than ever before. Amen. And so God says you're going to find that the strength of the hands and the strength of the feet, the ability for the legs to move and the arms to reach out is found in the heart. But the heart is contained in the body. So that's just a word from our sponsor. We'll see if he says any more. But <laughs> sense that so strong this morning in worship. So the family. In Psalm 68, okay, I said it would be easy to fix things with law. So if we're reading Psalm 68 in an old covenant way by law, it reads as there are them and us. There are the enemies and then there are those with God. Okay? God never intended there to be any enemies that were human beings. He intended to destroy all the enemies that destroy human beings from being who they really are, children of God. So I'm going to present this in a new covenant way. God's not interested in telling people what to do or how to act. He's interested in changing hearts and minds so that they'll know what to do and how to act. He's not interested in everything being neat and clean. He's interested in a reformation, a radical revolution that changes people from the inside out and creates a messy world before there's order. And a father doesn't mind a messy world because love wins. He's looking for, he doesn't care if they come in and they wake up in the middle of the night and they throw up all over his back. He's willing to get up and clean it up. Because love wins. So, in this, it says, now this is a little different translation. I'm going to read this out of the New King James because I like, I like this. Uh, is that NIV? Is that what that is? Not sure. Okay. This is NIV. In the New King James, it says, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Now, I'm going to present that in me, there are enemies to family. 
things inside of me that are enemies to family, that don't want family. What is it that doesn't want family? Self-seeking doesn't want family. Fear doesn't want family. Bitterness doesn't want family. Independence doesn't want family. Apathy doesn't want family. Logic and judgments does not want family. Divorce doesn't want family. All of those things can be in me, and they're in me because the enemy spiritual powers war against my soul. They war against my being so that I will become a place where those enemies live. I'll become a place that self-seeking lives. Where self-seeking lives, that's an enemy to family. Where fear lives, that's an enemy to family. Because perfect love casts out all fear, but where fear lives, there's not an open door for perfect love to live. And family is about perfect love, not fear. Where bitterness resides, there can't be bitterness. <laughs> where, where there's, a, where there's a, a disconnection of a submersion as one flesh, it's hard to be the one flesh of family because I'm too bitter to embrace something that might be better. So there's an enemy can be inside of me. There's a dry place where bitterness wants to live. Unforgiveness wants to live. Rejection wants to live. Rejection is an enemy to family. Independence. I don't want to submit to you. I don't want to be connected to you because I don't trust you. <laughs> uh, independence. It's my way. That's an enemy to family. I, I can't be, present myself at the table and be who I am because I don't even like the table. I just want to go off by myself and be myself. I don't really care so much. I don't care is an enemy to family. I can't present my life. I can't love you unconditionally. I, I can't give my life because, you know what, you do everything different than the way I would do it anyway, and I can't help but see how you do it wrong. And so I'm always measuring you by what I think you should be, but if I'm really honest, I'm measuring you what I think I should be, and I can't be, and I'm ticked off. I'm measuring you. There's something inside of me that's irritated enough with what I can't be that I look at you and it bothers me that you're not it. So I make a judgment. It's an enemy to family. And then finally, what is a use anyway? Just give me a hole. Let me go in the pit. Kick the ends in. We'll call it a grave. It's finished. It's an enemy to family. Now, in the very beginning, when man chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of an intimate relationship with life, the first thing that God said, he said to the serpent, he said, wherever there's a dry place now, you have to crawl on your belly in the dust. So wherever there's a dry place, there has to be a devil. Wherever there's a dry place, a dead place, there has to be deception. There has to be conflict. There has to be a devourer. It's not the deceiver's idea, it's God's idea. Why? He does not want to just free you from the enemy. He wants to make you a place that no enemy can ever live again. What is he interested? He's interested in moving into your wilderness and turning it into a fruitful field. He wants to take the barrenness of your life and turn it into rivers of life. Jesus said, anybody thirsty, anybody dry, let them come to me and drink and out from inside of them. Ha! We'll flow rivers of life-giving water. When you become a place that rivers flow out of, then there can be no room for something that lives in dry places to abide. So it says, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. So I'm going to present it as I present it to me. Those things are in my life. Less are there every year because the older I get, the younger I get. It's true. And I've, I've committed the journey is this. I've come to the point where I've realized that what I know doesn't really matter because what I know didn't turn out the way I thought anyway. <laughs> and knowing what you're doing is not the most important thing in life. I've discovered that being wrong is not the worst thing that can happen to you. 
Come on, I'm 63 years old. I've been to a few rodeos. I've, I've discovered that being wrong is not the worst thing that can happen in life. Being dead is the worst thing that can happen. So whatever you do, don't die dead. You're going to die, just don't die dead, because how you leave a thing is how you enter the next thing. So make sure you die alive. Make sure that you discover the secret to humbling yourself and becoming like a little child. You know, little children are not humble. That's the last thing they are. But adults have to humble themselves to get that childlike again. And what are children, what are they like? They're expectant. They expect to grow. They expect to learn. They expect to be able. They expect to want to be like you when they grow up. I want to be like you, Dad, when I grow up. And I'm not growing up yet. So let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. Well, if God's presence could come into my life, then what cannot live in his presence has to leave. What's the secret to family? God's presence in your life is the secret to family. Because the enemies to family are those things that I've named. But if you allow it, just let him, let him. I want to be in your life. I want to live in you. I've always wanted to be in you. I don't care what you've done. I've always wanted to be in you. I've always wanted you to be a place that I dwell in. I didn't just want to be a place that you came to visit. I've always wanted to be in your life. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I've always wanted you to be the body that could have my arms and hands and my legs and feet. I've always wanted to be you. I've always wanted my family. And so if we let him, he wants to. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. So I have to be willing to let self-seeking go. I have to be willing to let fear go. God's presence is driving it out of my life. I'm like, let it go. Let it go. Let it. How's it go? Let it go. If we sing it, we'll never, we won't be stopping all day. <laughs> let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As smoke is driven away, let, let self-seeking in my life be driven away. As wax melts before the fire, let fear just melt. Let, let, Disconnection, let independence, let it all just melt. So let the wicked perish at the presence of God. Let anything in me that's not life, let anything in me that's wicked. I'm not talking about disgusting, evil. I'm talking about things in me that just aren't life. They aren't life-giving. Just let it go. But let the righteous be glad. Who are the righteous? You know... My wife and I have been married 41 years, and something we've discovered is in marriage, being right is not the most important thing. Because being right can put you right on the couch. <laughs> but we discovered the most important thing is relationship and love. And so righteousness is not about being right, it's about being in a right relationship. And you know, when it comes down to relationship, it doesn't really matter who's right or who's wrong because being right or being wrong won't keep you in relationship. Love is what keeps you in relationship. You know, and you're going to overcome things, but love overcomes. You're going to have to, you know, if you went, if, you, if you've been on a trial run a couple of times, okay, don't be condemned for where you've been, but the time is now. Okay, if you've been married five times, okay, we've done that. Okay, if you've been married a few times, okay, we've done that. Now, today's the first day of the rest of your life. I like what, it's the cartoon, Charlie Brown, he's sitting with somebody and they say, you know, one day we'll die. And who is it, Lucy? Uh, somebody says to Charlie Brown, yeah, but on all those other days we'll live. So let me tell you, one day you will die. But on all the other days, live. So this is the first day of all those other days. You still got a few. Okay, so let God arise. Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. That which is in me wants a relationship. Let it be glad. 
Yet let them rejoice exceedingly. Let that which wants God inside of you and inside of me, the inner man, that's where family is, in the inner man. Let that rejoice. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him and rides on the clouds. The clouds is the place of his presence. Where is his clouds? His clouds are not far off. We even sang it today. We believe he's coming again. I like to sing that. I believe that you're coming again, but I also believe you're coming again, 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 again. We, it was funny. I'm listening in worship. We, there's this two thing. We know that there's that which is yet to come, but we also know that it's not on hold for that which is yet to come because it's already come. <laughs> so there's, most things are both ends. Most things are so many layers to it. So we sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds, who lives in our lives, his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. And then look at verse 5. It says, a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. So if we can find the place where God lives, then we find the, the healing or orphan spirit or widowed spirit now some of you maybe are physically fatherless okay I've got good news for you he's father to the father some of you are physically or a widow okay but I got good news for you he's good news to the widow but all of us have something inside of us that is an orphan spirit all of us have places inside of us that are lonely. Places inside of us that feel disconnected or abandoned. And those places, if they're not visited by the manifest presence of God in the inner man, become dry places where the enemies of family dwell. When we don't allow God to come to the lonely place, we don't allow God to come to the abandoned place, the forgotten place inside of us, then we cannot experience what it means to be the family of God. Some of you are single and you're lonely and you're looking for that partner. I got news for you. Finding the right partner won't satisfy your loneliness. It'll only bring loneliness into your relationship. It's not better. Being married is a wonderful thing, but you're not more a whole person. You're a whole two people. You understand the secret is always being one flesh. In a marriage, the secret is to become one flesh. A divorce is not meant to put someone in bondage. It's meant to restore freedom because of hardness of the heart. It's not God's way. It's not what God desires. But the purpose of divorce is the same as death. It frees two individuals from being one to now being one again so that one person can be joined to another and the two become one. So the issue is always wholeness. That's what God is interested in. Now, he doesn't ever want anybody to ever have to experience two becoming one flesh and it fails. That's not what he wants. But he can take what the enemy intends for evil and he can turn it for good. But what is it that destroys that relationship? It's not allowing God to live there but allowing things like offense to live there. Hmm. So let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. He's a father to the fathers. A defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. He sets the solitary in families and he brings those out who are bound into prosperity. So he wants us to be into this abundant, prosperous place but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Now, in closing, I'm just going to hit this from the issue of I'm inviting God in this time, in this season, for Junction Church. I'm inviting God, I'm inviting him in this time, in this season, for your family, for my family. I'm inviting God in this season, in this time, on planet Earth when there's an identity crisis a testimony crisis, and a power crisis. Ephesians 1, Paul prayed, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that you would know the hope of his calling, the riches of his inheritance in the saints, 
and the working of his power, the exact same power that rose him from the dead. Okay, those are the ingredients that you find in family. Let me give you three Canadian words, eh? <laughs> Calling is your identity. It's the place of the I am. The enemy is not interested in just stopping what you do. He's interested in changing who you are. It's okay to say, I feel afraid. But when you say, I am afraid, he's stolen your identity. It's okay to say, I feel alone. But when we say, I am lonely, he stole my identity. I'm talking about something that's supernatural and miraculous here. I'm talking about God who strengthens the inner man. This is a miracle. All the things that have happened, all the rodeos we've been in, all the bulls that have thrown us out onto the dirt, all the things that have harmed us and hurt us, all the things that are anti-family, that makes it so family shouldn't work. God comes by the power of his spirit into the inner man and he heals it and he causes every enemy to flee because we become a place where he abides. And the first thing that's restored to us is our identity, a part in his calling. I said in Casagar the other night, a calling is like this. He's opened the door, the table's set, the food is on, and he's calling. And he's saying, come on home and find your place at the feast. You find your identity in the place where God is your father. And then you find your place in the inheritance of his name, a testimony. You are somebody, a one and only, an overcomer. Something's been given to you. You shouldn't be able to, to stand, but you can stand. You shouldn't be able to walk, but look, you're walking. You shouldn't be able to see, but by goodness, look, you can see. You shouldn't be able to, to do what you do, but look, you've picked up your mat and you're moving forward. Because he came into your house. He came into your life, and now you're part of his inheritance, a testimony of him. And now you're also part of a destiny demonstrating the exact same power that rose him from the dead in everything in life. So enemies. Self-seeking really is an open door for offenses. So the enemy of offense, self-seeking. If I'm interested in me, what you do could cause me to be offended. But if I'm interested in who we are, what you do won't empower me to take an offense. Because who we are will empower us to not take an offense. You see, you're supposed to be offended. I have short fingernails. Do you know why I have short fingernails? I offend them regularly. <laughs> but my fingers have been on these hands for 63 years and they've learned not to take an offense when the clippers comes. As you can see, I've got hair. Okay. I have some hair, but it's not very long because I regularly allow it to be offended. But not a hair in my head takes an offense when it's offended. It simply says, okay, it's me. Because it knows it's the hair on my head. Now, if it was the hair on my son's head, there would be no hair, because he has no hair. So self-seeking empowers offenses. So let God arise and offenses be scattered. Did you do that today, God? 
offenses, they lead to judgments because judgments are based on fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what you're going to do to me. I'm afraid of how you're going to act. I'm afraid of what people are going to think. Why? Well, I was offended. That led me to make a judgment. But let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let things flee that would prevent us from being the family of God. Let judgments flee. Don't be afraid anymore. Only believe. Perfect love casts out all fear. So fear is simply a place that lacks a revelation of love. And therefore it makes judgment. Holy Spirit, would you come to that place right now? Would you free us from offense? Would you free us from judgment? Just let those things go today. And bitterness is defiled relationships. Because offenses lead to judgments, and judgments lead to defilements. Defiled relationships are relationships that I'm not sure I want anymore because it doesn't taste sweet. But God, your presence causes bitterness to flee. Would you let bitterness flee? We let you arise. We let bitterness flee. And then defilements, they lead to separations. Separations are simply independence. Being separate from others based upon differences. Bonnie and I have three children, not based upon our similarities, but actually our differences actually produce the fruit of children. And you know what? Our children aren't like me, and our children aren't like her, they're like themselves. You know why? Our differences is what created a healthy family for our children. So let God arise and let our independence flee. Well, offenses, they lead to judgments. Judgments lead to defilement. Defilement leads to separation by differences. And then measuring of things in a relationship then become self-focused and apathy comes in. I don't really care anymore for the relationship. Would you let the I don't care anymore go? God, let your presence fill my life. If there's anything in me that just doesn't care for a relationship, let it flee. And when I don't care, then I start thinking logically. I start thinking like a man. And I don't think like a lover. And I allow judgments. I allow judgments to put me into atrophy. I can't anymore because of what I see, what I reason to be true. Let God arise and let logic, let judgments flee. And finally, the result of all of this is divorce or death. Let God arise and let death flee. In Jesus' name. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 2, you'll find a secret. It says this concerning the house of God. Peter writes to a group of people, the Jews, and he says, You've understood a Torah, a law, and a temple reality. But what God really wants is a living house. A family made of living stones. And in the foundation of this house is a living stone, Jesus Christ. And then Peter says this, to those who do not believe, he's a cornerstone and a rock of offense. But Peter says, to those who do believe, he's precious. Cornerstone is what he is. Precious is who he is. Now, I want you just to extend your hand out to somebody if you would, or touch somebody. Can you, can you, are you all right with that? Can we, can I, you know? 
all at different places in our lives, in our journey. Maybe you've confessed Jesus as Lord of your life. Maybe you've just been hanging around, considering, all in different places of journey. But God, recognize that Jesus, you came, you're the precious one. We can't live without you. So I pray that for these people right now, for this person next to me. I pray that you would be precious. You're the one, you're the air they breathe, you're the food they need. They can't live without you. So would you let your presence be so real to them? But then, God, I also realize that these people in this room, that this person that's next to me, is one and only. If I look at what they are, I might measure them wrongly. Just as if I look at you as a cornerstone, I have ideas what a cornerstone should look like. And at some point, you're going to be a rock of offense to me because you're not going to manifest the way I think you should. And you're going to be a stone of stumbling to me because of what you are. But if I see who you are, then you can be who you are, and you will shape me. I'll become cut to fit with you. I pray that for one another in this room. I ask that in the same way that you are precious, that we would get a revelation of how precious this human person is, this living stone in your living house, your family, and that you would Give us the grace to not measure one another by what we are because we have preconceived ideas of what one another should be. And at some point, what this person is is going to offend me. So I need to know who they are so that when they manifest differently than what I think they should, I'll remember who they are. They're precious. I can't be the family without them. I pray that there would be such a revelation that would come into our natural families, into the spiritual family, this Junction Church, into the congregation of the Kootenays. I pray there would be such a revelation of who you are and who we are as the family of God that we would become the place that you arise. And we would become the place where every enemy of family would be scattered. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for letting me come.